Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. George Carlin is famous for the seven dirty words on television routine. Yep. I was working for him on the George Carlin show, which was a sitcom on Fox, and so I was the stage assistant. So in essence, I was George's assistant for the year. He's like, I literally made it up in like 10 minutes, like drunk out of my mind. Like, and all I did was, was trying to come up with the funniest sounding dirty words. Yeah. And he goes, and that's the definition of profanity in America today. <laughs> Something that I came up with drunk out of my mind at like 3 a.m. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Majority of my good ideas have happened when I am drunk out of my mind at 3 a.m. If you think I said, sure, let's put Jay Crouch on the show, sober, at like 4 in the afternoon, you were sadly mistaken. He is Jay Croucher, the uh, head trader for PointsBet. I am, of course, Matthew Berry, and this is the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, served by Applebee's. Full row of uh, jerseys behind me. We got some. Uh, we got a Jamar Chasen. We got an Austin Eckler. We got a little Cooper Cup. We got uh, uh, let's. Uh, Chad Pennington somehow still managed to get in there. But <laughs> uh, Josh Allen, little Jonathan Taylor action. Little Matthew Barry one. Mark That's Andrews. Sure there's a Matthew Barry one. Of course, Mahomes in the house as well. And Jay, we're going to do something special today. Today is the next two weekends. I believe are the majority of uh, fantasy drafts will be happening. Here in the States. 100%. When you guys do fantasy drafts in Australia, mm. do you also have the kangaroos? Yeah, oh yeah, we have the kangaroos. We also, uh, the, the time zones of you know, Yahoo and ESPN, everyone, yeah, it's yeah. all messed up for the Australians, so there's uh-huh. a lot of drafting at just bizarre hours, but, uh, but it's building. Well, you're drunk at 3 a.m. Yeah, exactly. You're drunk at 3 a.m. prime time to draft in Melbourne. 100%. Has anyone ever made out with a kangaroo <laughs> at one of these so. at one of these parties? They were so drunk. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't right. seen it. That's Let's good. Not write it off. I agree. You know who koalas are cute. <laughs> yeah, you like koalas. I do. I they're, think they're sneakily adorable. deadly. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to really annoy a koala. Mess. I did not know that. They got a gear. They got some ceiling of violence. Okay. Yeah, they can hurt you. Right. Yeah. I mean, like that's a that would be a pretty good you know B movie like Angry Koala. Like that's like like. They're what? They're, they're thick, thick. They're compact. They have little jabs they can do. Yeah. People are scared of... I've been called thick and <laughs> compact myself back in the day. Um, or, or, you know, after, after a lunch of uh, chicken fingers. All right. The seven... Uh, so this is the Draft Day Manifesto episode of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. The seven habits of highly effective drafters. I've been drafting Jay for... 
I don't know, almost three decades at this point in my life. And I've studied tons and tons of drafts, whether it is at ESPN or Yahoo or anywhere else. I've, I've looked at what creates a winning draft, and I've done this for many, many years. And so this year with the switch over to NBC, didn't really have time to do the whole deep dive in the right. But what we're going to do is right here, we're going to, uh, for the next hour, we're going to give you the audio and or video version of the Draft Day Manifesto and the seven habits of highly effective drafters. It's a very spiritual list. I think this would be a great platform for you to run for president. I appreciate uh, which that. Which is a, a market that's wide open. I get me versus Stephen A. Smith, apparently. Yeah. There you go. Tom Hanks is only 200 to 1. Yeah. He's firming as really? well. Also, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's uh, on I the would... menu of our sponsor, Applebee's, he's firming as well. He's only 50 to 1 to be the next president. For the record, I would vote for The Rock or Tom <laughs> Hanks over me every single day. I probably, I'd, I'd probably also vote for Stephen A. over me, yeah. to be perfectly honest. I, 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 I don't know who should be president of the United States. I just know who shouldn't be, and that's this guy right here. All right. Um, All right. Uh, okay. Let's so jump into let's, it. Let's, 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 let's uh, dive into it. The first one, spend a ton of time preparing. Yeah, I mean, this one seems sort of self-explanatory, but fantasy football drafting is like anything else in life. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So I believe that you, you can't listen. There are people that do it. But if you want success at drafting, you can't just roll into your draft grabbing whatever cheat sheet or like you go to, you go to rotoworld.com, NBC Sports Edge, you, you print out my rankings 10 minutes before, you print out somebody else's rankings. Like, my rankings will be fine for you. Don't make, make no mistake. You'll be all right. But my point is, is the more time you can spend mock drafting, researching, going online, watching preseason games, listening to download, you know, to, to podcasts and watching shows like the Roto World Draft Guide show, which is now available on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel, doing things like that and also figuring, you know, especially once you know your draft position, oh, I'm six. Okay, we'll do a bunch of mock drafts. You can do them on Yahoo. You can, you can do them on NBC, I, uh, ESPN, I should say. I would also recommend um, doing it on whatever platform that you're playing on. Because this is the other piece that I think is super important, right? That the ADP on most sites are really influenced by the default ranks on that particular site. Yes. So there'll be players that are going way high on ESPN that are going much lower on Yahoo, you know, or vice versa, or Sleeper, or wherever you end up playing, right? NFL.com, CBS, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would basically take my cheat sheet and you can mock draft on almost all those sites and do a mock draft on the site that you're going to so you can sort of see the ADP, uh, where that goes, because it's highly, it's highly influential. The draft room, you're in there, clock is counting down, you're like, oh, who's you know, highest on the list? I think the other thing, too, is that the more prep you do raises your floor, because if you do no prep and then you go in and then the first few rounds yeah. don't go your way, then you start tuning out, you start drinking, you start taking Damian Harris in the third round, and everything burns. Okay, the next one. Identify yeah. the relative I depth. like that's, that's what get, everything burns when you've taken Damian Harris in the third round. Exactly. Fair Number enough. two, identify the relative depth at every position. And we're going to get into this as the, as the show goes on. We're going we're gonna to break down quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. We're going to break that down. But understanding, like, hey, this is a position I can wait on. This is a position where I need to go early. Or this is a position where if I don't go early, I have to understand who are some late-round targets. Understanding the relative depth of every position, when and where you need to attack it, I think is crucial. Definitely. Number three, minimize risk and give yourself the best odds to win on a weekly basis. Yeah, this is fantasy football philosophy 101, and this is something that I've preached you know, throughout, throughout my career. If you take nothing away from the show other than this one thing, take this. Fantasy football is all about minimizing risk on a weekly basis and putting yourself 
and giving yourself the best odds to win on a weekly basis. That's what it is. So, well, fantasy football is an unpredictable game. There's no question. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I have had an NFL coach, like an offense coordinator, somebody who's actually calling the plays, tell me this player's going to have a big game. We have identified something in the defense. We think we can attack them with this player and this thing. This is a big game going to be a big game for this particular player. Running back by committees. We think it's the power back, not the pass catching back this week. It's going to be a big, you know, week for this guy. And the game comes and, like, the pass catching back catches a pass for, like, you know, a three-yard out and runs 70 yards for a touchdown. And you're like, all right, well, it's his game. Yes. You know what I mean? And so even NFL coaches don't know what's going to happen in the game. Uh, We don't have time to tell, but I've told this story many times before about Matt Hasselbeck. Um, the great Matt you know, Hasselbeck. The great Matt Hasselbeck who played fantasy football when he was a starting quarterback for the Seahawks and literally benched himself. <laughs> he, he benched himself in a week where he, he was coming off of – very quickly, he was coming off of a week where he missed two games. He was playing the Jaguars who had a good defense that, that year, and his other quarterback was Brett Favre, the first year in Minnesota. And Favre was great that first yes. year in Minnesota as a fantasy quarterback. And Favre was playing the Rams, who at that time were one of the worst teams in the NFL. So Matt Hasselbeck benched himself and started Brett Favre. <laughs> Uh, you know, in his own fantasy matchup, right? So and so, grim. right, well, that week, Adrian Peterson has a huge game, throws, yes. scores three touchdown t- passes. Brett Favre has one touchdown pass, um, one interception, finishes like the 18th best quarterback in fantasy. Meanwhile, Matt Hasselbeck, sitting on his own bench, <laughs> throws four touchdown passes, over 250 yards against the Jaguars. Seattle absolutely lambasts them. Matt Hasselbeck finishes the number one quarterback in fantasy that week, sitting on his own bench. Again, this is a guy that, that, that studied the playbook, that, that knew all the, knew, knew all the, and watched all the film. He was a guy that uh, could audible any play, literally touched the football on every offensive play. Yes. And he still got it wrong. Yeah, he benched himself. Right, exactly. But, so if Matt Hasselbeck can't get it right, what chance do any of us have? And Matt has, you know, graciously allowed me to tell that story many years. It's my favorite fantasy football story of all time. So my point is, is that... It's a, it's a wacky game played with a leather ball in an oblong shape. You can't predict the future. All you can do is minimize risk and put yourself in the best odds to win. And we're going to talk as we go through the positions about how to minimize risk. It's all about range of outcomes. Okay. Number four, use rankings flexibi- flexibly and in context. Yeah, again, I, I spend a tremendous amount of time on my own rankings. And even when I'm in a draft, I will use it as a loose guideline. Don't be, you know, don't be beholden to the rankings as the end-all, be-all, whether it's mine or anyone else's. They are a loose guideline. You know, value within a market changes with every pick. And by the way, as soon as kickoff happens on Thursday night, next Thursday night, you know, Bills at Rams, it's all out the window anyway. Uh, I mean, right? Allen Robinson catches two touchdown passes and Cooper Cup goes, you know. Cooper Cup's number two. Right. I mean, like, it all changes as soon as it happens. By the way, uh, that Thursday night game is on NBC. It is. I'm a company man. Football Night in America will precede that. I will be on the field at SoFi Stadium. Please tune tune in you will. to the proud peacock there. Sounds like um, a, a winning wake for you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, and so all I'm saying is it's just like, like if, the, if you're going down the list and it's like, oh, well, I should take a running back here, but you already have three running backs and you yes. don't need a wide, and you and you're, have no wide receivers, like move to the next wide receiver. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like just use them within context and, and be flexible on your rankings. Okay, number five. Focus on winning wakes. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is that you hear a lot of you hear a lot of talk about, oh, this person was quarterback six over last year, you know, or yes. la- you know, and, and so I think people forget that it's actually a weekly game, 
It is not a. It is a week. It is a weekly game that's played over the course of a year, but it's not a year-long game. Your goal every single week in season-long fantasy football is to beat one person, whoever you're playing, yes. right, and, and to get as many points as you can. And so the idea is, is that as you do your draft, you're not going to be able to draft an entire team of players that you start every single week. Even if everyone on your team crushes and they all stay healthy, you're still going to have bye weeks. So the idea here is that when you're cr- when you're constructing your roster. During, during your draft day, all you're doing is creating a, a foundation, a blueprint. You're going to have to figure out over the course of the season. And so when I'm drafting, we talk about range of outcomes. I'll try to be very quick here, producers, because they're in my ear. But you're talking about range of outcomes, right? Yes. Every player in the NFL basically has, I want, when I'm drafting, I want one of two kinds of players. I want a player with a very narrow range of outcomes. Josh Allen. I don't know if Josh Allen finishes as the number one quarterback in fantasy, but I do know that barring some catastrophic injury, he's going to be top three or four. There's a very narrow range of outcomes for Josh Allen. You yep. know, there, it would be shocking if Josh Allen wasn't a top five fantasy quarterback. Narrow range of outcomes for Josh Allen over the course of a season. Very high floor. There aren't a lot of players like that. No. You know, there's a handful of guys at the top of every position where you can say that. So then what I'm focusing on, on players that can uh, win you weeks because they'll have value at some point in the season. Like, you know, the example I would always give for years and years and years is James White. James White, James White will finish as a top 25 running back every single year, and there'll never be a week that you actually want to use him. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the weeks that he does score a touchdown are fluky. Yeah, you never not, know when it's coming. You never know when it's coming. Like, Naheem Hines. Like, I think Naheem Hines is going to be a nice, actually, player in PPR this year. All right, but what you want, like, give me a guy like Alexander Madison, where um, the idea here is that there's going to be a lot of weeks where Alexander Madison isn't usable. But the weeks in which Alexander Madison is usable, you'll know when to start him. Like, so there were two weeks last year when Dalvin Cook was out, and you're like, okay, this is an Alexander Madison week, and it was a top 10 fantasy running back each of those weeks. The idea is it's not just about finding players that have the potentially to be, you know, to win you a week, but knowing when to start them. That's the key, right? And so here's, here's a um, uh, so finding players that have a range of outcome that's either high floor over the course of a ceiling, over the course of a season, or in a certain period of time, you'll know when to start them and they, and they could potentially win you a week. Definitely. Okay, let's move on to number six, which is one of the most presidential of your points. Be adaptable and trust yourself above others. It's your team. Yes. It's your, listen, I'm, I'm up here pontificating. So's Jay. Like, there's eight million people doing fantasy football analysis. It's your team. You're the one that has to live with it week in, week out. You're the one who knows your league mates, how easy it is to trade, how easy it will be to work the waiver wire. Like, it's your team. Trust yourself above all overs. You're the one that's going to have to live with it all season long. So, you know, if you're trying to decide between my opinion or your own opinion, go with yours. Go with your gut. Live and die with yourself. You can still blame me, you know what I mean? But just go with your gut. Okay, number seven, the last one. Another kind of presidential one, which has me pricing you in the same range as Tom Hanks in that 200 to 1 next president market. Approach the draft as just the first step towards success. Yeah, again, it's a, it's a full season, right? Uh, think about somebody like Cordero Patterson last year. You know, we're talking about the range of outcomes, that whole thing. Devontae Freeman was a top 16 fantasy running back from, like, weeks 9 to 13 Looked last amazing. year. Right, yeah, exactly. And he was on his couch at this time last year, hoping yeah. for a gig. My point is, is that whether it's trades, whether it's waiver wires, there'll always be players that pop. There'll be injuries that unfortunately happen. And so there'll be other players that get opportunities that maybe don't have it. Understand that you do not need to leave the draft with a complete team. All you're doing is giving yourself a blueprint. By the way, as you go through the draft, as we're talking about, like, say you have a bunch of running backs, and the next best available player is a running back, and you're like, I'm going to have to really 
you know, stretch three rounds for a wide receiver, grab another running back. Give yourself some trade bait. You know, sure. like you can create depth in position. If you're getting, if you find yourself uh, losing out on a position and you're like, I'm going to have to really reach, don't reach. Just, just stock depth at a position that you know you'll be able to trade in your league, whether it's, you know, uh, a lot of depth at wide receiver or, or running back. Maybe it's two elite tight ends. Whatever. Give yourself options to move, move, maneuver throughout the season because, again, you don't have to win your league out of the draft. You just need to give yourself a foundation. Same as the real NFL draft. Don't draft right. for need. Draft best available. Correct. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk running back strategy. Did you see Dre, Jay just throw it to break right there? <laughs> like a semi-professional host? I guess I'll do more of that. That was fun. Nice. Sure. It's all yours. I am back, and you know what's more important than me? The fact that Brian Robinson is back. Commander's tweeting this out. We're all excited to have at Brian R underscore four back in the building, the heart emoji. That is an awesome, awesome sign. Just uh, a few days after, uh, you know, just some, a horrific, Great just news. A horrific, you know, um, incident. I don't know what else you call it, right? But that's awesome. That's what an awesome sign. So I know I speak for... Obviously, everyone here at the show, but I think the fantasy football community and, and just fans everywhere that thrilled that Brian is okay and looks like he's Definitely. already like on the road to recovery. He might be on the field as yeah, well, which is which great. Which would be a miracle. That's amazing. Incredible. Okay. Let's That's talk awesome. about... Welcome back, Brian. Let's talk about running back strategy. Yes, sir. And the first question is, what does your top tier of running backs look like and who's the cutoff? Okay. Sure. So let's. Uh, I'm going to put up a full screen right here for those of you watching on Peacock TV or later on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. But for those listening to purely the audio version of it, I have Jonathan Taylor at one. I have CMC Chris McCaffrey at two. Eckler, Austin Eckler, last year's ride or die comes in at three. You all doubted me last year, and you're wrong. <laughs> Dalvin Cook at four. Derrick Henry at five. Cook at four. Again, you know I think the Vikings offense takes a huge step. I have Vikings. Alvin Kamara at running back six, much higher than the consensus. I do not believe he gets suspended this year. Najee Harris comes in at seven. Doesn't seem to be any concerns about his injury. Aaron Jones at eight. I might swap those two. Harris and Jones, really okay. close for me. I'm significantly higher than Jones on the overall, overall Yahoo ADP. Joe Mixon is at nine behind that new rebuilt offensive line. And DeAndre Swift as we've talked about, behind a very sneakily good offensive line for the Lions, yeah, comes in at 10. Derrick Henry in the middle there between Cook and Kamara as yes. well. There you go. That is correct. Did I not say Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry's getting overlooked, getting overlooked a little bit. Yeah, well, Derrick Henry's at 5. Cook is at 5. Henry's at... D- Dalvin Cook is at 4. Henry's at 5. Kamara at 6. Harris at 7. Aaron Jones at 8. Joe Mixon, 9. DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift at 10. Oh, there we go. So that's my top 10. Uh, I think in terms of uh, the cutoff... I mean, that's my top 10. I mean, how, when you ask cutoff, what are you, what are you specifically asking for? Where does it drop? Because for me, I would say that tier one by itself is Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. And then oh, it's a sure, drop sure. where I think that, you know, those are the two favorites to lead the league in scrimmage yards. Those are the two guys with the most upside. Then I would have Eckler kind of in his own tier at number mm-hmm. three, where I think he's the clear number three. Okay. And then, you know, we, we differ on Derrick Henry. Yes, uh, we do. Also, we differ a little bit on Dalvin Cook. I would actually have Alvin Kamara uh, at four, but he would be in a similar tier with those guys like Cook, like Henry. Do you agree with that? Would you? Tier yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. Taylor McCaffrey in their own in their own sort of uh, tier. I agree with you. Eckler on a second tier. I think yeah, Cook, Henry, uh, Kamara, probably in an. Uh, I, I would I would still see. 
I, honestly, I th- yeah, Cook Henry Camara are cut above Harris Jones, Mixon, Swift to yep. me is how I would less put it exciting. There. Less exciting. There's a little bit more risk. There's a little more injury risk with Cook Henry and Camara than there is with some of the some of the other guys. And then you get into further down. I mean, and then by the way, then the next tier is just by my rankings: Fournette, Barkley, James Conner, Javante Williams. Yeah, right? I think Barkley and Williams are the two guys who have the most upside to really vault Thousand into the percent. next tier. So a couple of days ago, we talked about zero RB, which is growing in popularity as a strategy this year with what's on the board. And, and we should explain that. And, and by the way, and, uh, Denny Carter at NBCSportsEdge.com, is, he is... Kind of he staked is, his he, name on it. He kind of, yeah, he's kind of planted his flag there. But highly recommend going to NBC Sports Edge and checking out Denny's stuff if you're interested in Zero RB. But in essence, Zero RB, for people that are uninitiated or haven't ever tried it, it doesn't mean you don't draft running backs. Hmm. It merely means that you do not draft a premium running back, that the first... Five or six rounds, you are loading up on elite wide receivers, elite tight ends, maybe even elite quarterback. The idea is that you're going to crush at ev- on a weekly basis. You're going head-to-head. You're like, I'm going to beat you at wide receiver. I'm going to beat you at tight end. I'm going to beat you at quarterback. And then with running back, because there's so much volatility at the position between, between injuries, between committees, between we know that there'll be guys that emerge, um, I'm going to be able to sift through that rubble to find this year's Cordero Patterson, this year's Devontae Freeman, who again was a top, you know, 16 running back for about four weeks last year. There are guys throughout the season, there will always be guys like that. Daryl Williams, you know, had a run there where he was, he was highly productive. So you'll find those, those kind of pockets, if you will. That's the idea behind zero RB. It is something that you cannot, how do I, you can't half-ass it. Yeah. Well, I was trying to think of a different in. word, but whatever. I'm, uh, it's happy hour. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, you can't half-ass that. Like, you, you have to, like, that's a strategy that you need to sort of like, okay, if you're doing that, you have to do it because you've got to nail the other positions, yep. right? And then, you, and then it, by the way, not only is it like drafting high upside and potential uh, running backs, uh, you know, in the, in the mid to later rounds, but you also, you're going to have to be, you have to know yourself, like, are you somebody that's going to be scouring the waiver wire or are you somebody that's sort yep. of like, oh man, I forgot to put in my picks this week. Yeah, so would you do so, it this year with what's on the board? I think you can this year because of the way that the sort of the strategy is going. Like, there are guys that are going later, you know, like Damian Pierce is going, you know, higher than, you know, he's raising he's up. getting a bit out of like, control with Damian But I think Pierce. there are, there, I, the Ramondre Stevensons, the Rashad Pennies, the, uh, the Chase uh, Edmonds of the world. Like, I think there are guys, you know, that you could potentially get. Like, and, and there are running backs that are going much later. Michael Carter, James Robinson, for example, Daryl Henderson going super late, right? I mean, we'd mentioned Naheem Hines in the first segment. It is not a strategy that, I, that I've employed a lot. But when the draft falls to me that way, like if I'm sitting there in the first round and all of a sudden, like, you know, Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson has fallen to me, like at the end of the first round, and then I come back around and, oh, wait, you know, Adams is still there, Chase yeah. is still there, I don't mind it. I think it's something where you should let the draft dictate whether Correct. you go to that. Where if you have a chance to have your two running backs, uh, uh, Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara, and the the draft just breaks that way and you can get them at value, uh, then I don't think that's something you should turn away from because of this uh, commitment to this philosophical ideal, the zero RB. The next question is, are you avoiding the running back dead zone in rounds right. f- about rounds four through seven? Yeah, a thousand percent. And that's one of the reasons why to do zero RB. If you don't get an elite, at least one elite running back in the first two rounds, then I would immediately go to zero RB because what's happening is, is these guys, and this is the running back dead zone, here and this, so this is basically uh, Yahoo ADP from from like 40 to 70 overall. 
I'm so Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Damian Harris. I like A.J. Dillon. That's I like a- list, uh, Of this list, I like A.J. Dillon. Um, Dobbins, you know, I used to like Dobbins. We talked about him last week, but the signing of Kenyon Drake makes me a little con- you know, con- concerned. I think Elijah Mitchell could be all right. Um because when Shanahan commits to one guy, and I don't think Elijah Mitchell did anything last year to lose the job. It's just health with him. Um, ETN, I do think, has some potential upside. Akers has the talent, but I, I, you know, I think that's going to be a committee. And, and so, right, ETN I don't mind. A.J. Dillon I really like. Potentially Gibson with the unfortunate news yep. around Brian Robinson. Gibson may fall into a, um, into a, uh, much more of an every-down role than was expected. But other than that, like, I hate all these quarterback running backs, again, at their current ADP. Yep. I would much rather go with a wide receiver at that position. We'll talk about wide receiver coming up in the next segment. But the idea here is that if I don't get an elite running back in the first two rounds, and then I'm picking as my running back one through that list, mm. like, those are all guys that I would want as flex plays, yep. not as a number one or even as a number two. Like, and so Montgomery, we don't know if Khalil Herbert is healthy. Like, looks like that's going to be a committee on a bad team. Like, so uh, I am absolutely avoiding the running back dead zone unless I can get one of those guys as a flex. Like I said, I like ETN as a flex if you can get him. Yeah, a lot of names uh, And there. A.J. Dillon I love as a flex. Yeah, A lot of names there where very questionable ceiling and then also a floor that could really just fall out where I'd much rather have names like Rashad Penny and Devin Singletary and Ramondre Stevenson, who you're getting later and who have the upside to be better than all of those guys a, if some things break their way. Now, a speaking, thousand percent. So that, that, that is a, just to underscore this, that is a scenario where absolutely, if you find yourself, you went Jamar Chase in the first and then you decided to go Andrews or Kelsey in the second and then, yep. then you found yourself and you're just like, oh, well, you know, I, wow, I can't, whatever. Tyree Kill is still there in the third. All right, fine, I'll do Tyree. You know what I mean? And, like, and yep. then you just find yourself, now you're in round four and you're like, you know, your best available is like Brees Hall yeah. or Dave Monk. Don't feel compelled Josh Jacobs. to you're, take Josh Jacobs because you need a running back. Yeah, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't, don't do that, right? That's the Dwayne McFarlane tweet. You know, this is what dra- the yeah. dancing version of drafting Josh Jacobs. Don't do this. I wonder what you're going for, though, Don't. with the little kind of kangaroo punches. Well, no, no, no I, I feel like kangaroos <laughs> yeah. are like this. Yeah, with the gloves. This is the kangaroo old guy Jack. in the video that Dwayne tweeted. Yeah, with the Different. moves. Kangaroo, old guy. <laughs> Good distinction. Okay, next question. What do you look for in late round running back targets? And then tied to that, what do you stand philosophically on insurance backs? So let's answer the second question first. Hmm. Philosophically, I'm in on insurance backs. Okay. Again, you've invested so much in that first-round pick, whether it's Dalvin Cook. Now, there's not a lot of insurance backs. No. You have to know, hey, two things to, to draft an insurance back. You need to know, number one, is who it's going to be, and number two, that they're going to be productive if and when they get the role. Alexander Madison, perfect example. Tony Pollard, behind Ezekiel Elliott, yep. perfect example. Mark Ingram, behind Alvin Kamara. He's had a strong preseason and we've seen him, you know, produce in that role before. Yep. If Najee Harris goes down, is it Benny Smell, Snell? Sorry, Benny. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, Benny has no odor. I just want to be clear about that. Benny I, Smell. I've never, I, I've never been close enough to Benny to, to <laughs> get a whiff. To really get a whiff. To understand Benny, right, Benny, Benny Smell if he tanks. I'm sorry, Benny. Um, anyway, Benny Snell. Unintentional slip of the tongue. Well, he's a big guy. I don't think kids call. Like I could see if he was a little kid. Why do you like, hate Benny been, Snell? I know. I, that poor Benny Snell. Anyway, we don't know if it's Jalen uh, Warren or Benny Snell. We, ex- we think it's Benny Snell. We don't know if Benny Snell would be that productive as 
you know, it might be more of a more of a committee there. So, you know, there are certain guys where certain guys if where, you go all in, if you go all in on Christian McCaffrey and he gets injured, then you're just screwed anyway. You don't I, need to take insurance out. An insurance I do think Deontay would, Foreman. I mean, they have Chuba Hubbard there too. I do think Deontay Foreman, who produced last year, would be my my. But yes, correct. We, like. James Conner goes down. Is it Daryl Williams? Is it Eno Benjamin? Like, we, we don't know, and we don't know if those players would be – so the point is, for an insurance back, you need to know who the, it will absolutely be that person, and given that role, that person will be successful. Now, what do I look for in late-round running back targets? This is sort of what we talked about in the first segment, right? We, we look for a couple things. Number one, you look for pass-catching ability, because yep. then they might be usable in a, in a flex week if you're, if you're stuck, if you've got a lot of injuries, bye week, what have you. Because then if, if they have a pass-catching ability, they have a way to get on the field – even if the starter, quote-unquote, is um, healthy and doing well. But the other thing I look for is, is there a path to playing time? You know, you sort of look about every player and you're like, okay, what's the scenario in which this player has fantasy value other than just everyone else around him gets injured or is out with COVID or what have you and he suddenly gets insane volume? So you think about, Cremont's not a late-round running back, but like Nick Chubb goes out, like there's an opportunity there. Zamir White. Think about Zamir White, who, is a, who has the ability to be a three-down back. We know Amir Abdullah does not. Josh Jacobs was not drafted by this current regime. We've seen the Raiders already make a lot of moves, getting rid of some of the early-round picks of the earlier previous regime. Yep. And so Jacobs, who didn't have his fifth-year option picked up, you could see a scenario where the Raiders go, Josh McDaniel says, we think Zamir's White, Zamir White is better. Let's give him a shot. Right? Khalil so, Herbert. Khalil Herbert. Same thing, right, yep. with David Montgomery. It's just if something happens to Montgomery – Herbert would be the guy, and we saw that last year, right? When uh, Herbert got two different games as the starter for the Bears. He averaged 18.8 fantasy points per game. He had at least 18 rushing attempts in both starts, over 122 yards from scrimmage in those games. So, uh, Jamal Williams, like, we talked about this. The Lions, for all the challenges the Lions have, they actually have a pretty good offensive line. And we know that if DeAndre Swift went down, Jamal Williams, who has been productive in his career, yep. would be the guy. So, Jamal Williams is an interesting guy there, again, so that's what you're looking for is uh, Tyler Algier in Atlanta. He's yep. got a over 30-year-old converted wide receiver as the starter running, starting running back ahead of him. Yep. So it's looking at situations. And, by the way, coming out tomorrow will be my 10 list of 10. I'll give a, I'm a company man, another plug. And one of the 10 lists will be late-round running back targets. So you can check that out, and you can always look at my rankings, all available it. for free on NBCSportsEdge.com. Okay. All right, we are going to go to... Oh, we're, oh, we're we not going to go to Dwayne we go. because we're going to look at Dwayne McFarland's tweet. Yeah, you know what? I his arms are lower than I thought. It's yeah. like it's like it's it's you sort had of too much extension. Pace. Too much extension. Like it's yeah. it's it. I was using too much elbow. For him, it's in the shoulders. He keeps it. Can we go back on me for a second? Can we do a split screen? Can we do that? No, we can't. <laughs> I'm being told we don't have the technology available to that. Apparently, the split screen technology has not made its way. To the happy hour yet. But yeah, see how his it stays in place and it's just the elbow, it's the shoulder going back. Okay. It's a lot in the legs. We'll be back. I'm going to work on this in the break. It is the Draft Day Manifesto episode of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, so this promo read seems particularly pertinent. Prep for your draft with the latest player rankings, projections, and more in the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Plus, it's powered by Roto World, the premier source for player news and fantasy information. Take advantage of our preseason special. Get the draft guide for just $5. Jay, you can afford that. I can just afford that. Just $5 when you use the promo code DRAFTGUIDE at checkout on NBCSportsEdge.com slash DRAFTGUIDE. 
Let's go. Powered by Rotoworld. Come on, people. Five bucks. You could afford five bucks. That's, that's less than a coffee at some places. It's less than a coffee at some places. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> let's jump into wide receiver strategy. Okay. And the first question is, how many wide receivers are you comfortable taking in the first round? Uh, four. Okay. Four. Uh, it, and it depends on your first round, right? If you're in 10-team league or 12-team league. Are all their jerseys on the wall? Uh, no. I, I wait. You know what? They are. All their jerseys are on the wall. Yes. So, for those that are listening to this, here's my top 10 fantasy wide receivers. Cooper Cup. My, oh, well, that, that just went away. What are you going to do? Here, I'll hang on. I'll read it. So, Cooper Cup is obviously at number one. Justin Jefferson at number two. Yep. Jamar Chase is at three. Devontae Adams is at four. Stephon Diggs comes in at number five. CeeDee Lamb at six. Debo is at seven. Tyreek Hill at eight. T. Higgins at nine. And then Mike Evans pops in at number 10. DJ Moore at 11. AJ Brown at 12. And the others receiving votes for the uh, first round category. Okay. In terms of who I would feel most comfortable drafting inside the, uh, inside the first round, honestly, uh, you know, I think you can, for me, it goes down to Adams. Okay. Right? Like, so you got four guys. Right. And Diggs doesn't I mean, make it. If you have a 12, I have Diggs at 11 overall. So if you if you're, if you're if your first round is 12 players, I'm yep. comfortable with Diggs at the very end of uh, uh, of the of the first round there. But I have Cup fourth overall, Jefferson fifth, Jamar Chase at eighth, Adams at, at uh, I have uh, Adams at 10 overall. Sorry, I have Cup at four and Justin Jefferson at five overall, Jamar Chase at six overall. Uh, Devontae Adams at 10 overall, Stefan Diggs at 11 overall. That's okay. on my top 200. All of my rankings are available, my top 200 available at uh, NBCSportsEdge.com, RotoWorld.com as well. I think this year more than ever, because the wide receivers are so elite and because we have so many running back by committee and we saw you know a decent amount of big-name players get injured last year at the running back position, we feel better about a wide receiver retaining value. We always yep. talk about how you know one of the things that – you know, we didn't really get to in the um, the first segment. We were talking about the seven habits of highly effective drafters. Is that you understand how crucial those first two rounds are? Yep. The first two rounds are incredibly crucial. We always say you can't win your draft in the first two rounds. You can lose it. Thirty percent, over thirty percent of your weekly fantasy total generally will come from your first two round picks. So you want safe there. And generally speaking, wide receivers hold their value year after year more often than running backs because there's less volatility at the position. There's less injuries. At the position. So we feel pretty good about Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Adams, and Diggs in terms of the quarterbacks they have, in terms of the target share they're going to get, in terms of their overall talent. And we think all of them are less likely to get hurt than some of the running backs. Talking about so. some of these guys, there is no player whose stock has risen from a betting perspective, I think it's a real-life perspective as well, over the offseason than Justin Jefferson, where now people have anointed him. And I think there will be lots of people going into drafts wanting to take Jefferson over Cooper Cup because they see there's more upside, he's more exciting, he's more athletic, he ties into a lot of those types of things. But I would have Cup almost in his own tier as the number one guy. And the reason for that is is that he's already done it. You're projecting Jefferson to do what Cup did last year when Cup has already done that. And look, Cup had one game last year where he had less than 95 yards. One, that's completely absurd. And two, Justin Jefferson had 10 games under 95 receiving yards. So there is a big gap for Jefferson to close. And look, he clearly has the talent, but I think Cup is is clearly the guy, and I don't even think it's that close. Well, I mean, 
in order for him to beat what Cup did last year, Justin Jefferson would have to have the greatest season in NFL history yeah. for a fantasy wide receiver. It's a really high bar. <clears throat> it's a really high bar. We're, we're really excited about the Vikings offense. We think they're going to take the next step. Obviously, the guy uh, helping call plays for Justin Jefferson, Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips, they were part of McVay's staff last year when Cooper Cup did have that record-setting year. I feel very strongly that Jefferson is wide receiver two. Yes. I almost think they're almost separate tiers. They're Cup's his own tier, Jefferson's his own tier, and then you get in the Chase Adams Diggs tier for me. And then I think Lamb is his own tier, and then I would go to Debo, Tyreek Hill, you know, Higgins, Evans, I think is sort of the, the next tier here. Yep. Well, a lot of those guys fold into the next question, which is how likely are you to stack wide receivers from the same team? And we're talking about uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. We're talking about Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson. Just overall, what's your philosophy there? My overall philosophy there is uh, I don't care what team they're on. They Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Chris Evans, I'm sorry, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they don't know that you're, they're on the same fantasy team. I'm just looking for good players. We think all these players will produce. Now, I, like of all the, as you sit here on your screen and you see Cup Robinson, Chase Higgins, Hill Waddle, Evans Godwin, Allen Williams, the one that gives me the most pause there is Hill and Waddle. Because that's Tua and we don't know what that offense will look like. We don't know if that offense can support two fantasy relevant, relevant wide receivers. We know that the Rams can. Yes. And Stafford can, because we saw it last year with, with Cup and Woods early and Cup and OBJ late. We know that the Bengals can, obviously. We know that Godwin and Evans can, because we've seen it from Brady. We, we know that the Vikings can, because we've seen it from Jefferson and Thielen when Thielen was healthy last year. We know that Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense can, because we've seen it for King. So I'm not targeting players from the same team, but I'm also not avoiding it. Again, as we let the draft come to you, if Mike Williams is the best wide receiver available and I already have Keenan Allen, great. By the way, I mean, I, I think Williams is a better value than Allen, but same thing. Like, I don't have a problem with if I've drafted Jamar Chase into the first round and then for whatever reason comes back around at the, you know, when you're in the third and T. Higgins is somehow still out there, grab T. Higgins. Yeah, it's, T. Higgins is going to have a very good year, even if Jamar Chase also completely balls out. Yeah, it's not so much a question of whether you're in on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. It's a question of whether you're in on Joe Burrow, really, at that point. And all, all those duos that we showed, uh, they all had quarterbacks who are within the top eight, nine favorites for MVP, except for Tua Tagovailoa, who's plus 7,000 to win MVP. Right. And it's just not in that same class as Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, and co. Okay, next question. What do you look for in late-round wide receiver targets? I look for upside. Yep. I think there's upside. So let's just talk very briefly about sort of overall philosophy on drafting wide receivers. I think it's important to have both ceiling wide receivers and floor wide receivers. It's one thing if you're drafting a best ball, then you want all guys that can just sort of boom or bust, and you'll figure it out week to week, right? Because best ball. But assuming you're drafting a, a team where, where you're drafting a season-long team, right? I mean, you, you, know, you want a guy like, um, who's a good example of this? You know, like uh, DJ Moore. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, there's a, there's a ceiling on, um, you know, Michael Pittman has a crazy ceiling this year. We love yep. Michael Pittman this year. But DJ Moore has a has a floor. Like DJ Moore, we don't know about the touchdowns. He's never been he's never been able to score more than four. But this is a guy that's had over twelve hundred yards from scrimmage each of the last three years. Like with Sam Darnold, with, with Sam Darnold, and, you know the right exactly. The, you know the right Kyle Allen. Like right, so, he, like Allen. he just we know DJ Moore is really talented. Is going to get a massive target share. So I mean, I think you want both players that are that are like sort of floor guys, but also like upside guys. Like Elijah Moore is an upside guy. Hunter Renfro is a floor guy. And so I think you want a mixture of that because, 
you don't want to have to count on these boom-bust guys every single week. You want at least some guaranteed production at your wide receiver position. As a result, as you're going through uh, that mid-round, we talked last segment about the, the dead RB zone. Yes. Give me those mid-tier wide receivers. I just think this is an important stat, right? Last year, wide receivers on Yahoo between 11 and 20 at the position, 70% of them finished as a top 20 wide receiver last season. Running backs between 11 and 20 at their position last year, 50% yep. finished as a top 20 wide receiver. Again, a, a top 20 running back, I should say. Again, it is just one of those things where wide receivers, especially in those middle rounds, where you're, you're looking at the Brandon Cooks and the Rashad Batemans and the Marquise Browns and the Adam, Gabe Davises and the Mike Williams of the world, the Jujus of the world, right? Those are the guys that we think have a lot more upside than the Josh Jacobs, and you're taking a Josh Jacobs just because you need a running back because he qualifies at the position. But if Juju's a top 15 fantasy wide receiver this year, no one's going to be shocked. Yep. Same with Gabe Davis. You know, same with you know, Marquise Brown. Yeah, 100%. There were 23 wide receivers that had over 1,000 receiving yards last year. There are only seven running backs over 1,000 rushing yards. And guys like Darnell Mooney, we're projecting him to flirt with 1,000 receiving yards. Like, it's Darnell Mooney. Right. He's going outside the top 90 in drafts. But in terms of so, late-round targets... 1,000%. In terms of late-round targets, what you're looking for is a couple of things. You're looking for uh, you're looking for talent and opportunity, you know, and potential for opportunity. And, and so by that I mean like uh, you have to think about especially like sort of rookies or why might they pop, right? So here's a late round wide receiver that's going Robert Woods. Yep. Robert Woods might get a 25 to 30 percent target share, especially if Traylon Burks is slow to get going. You think about Amon Ross St. Brown last year. Amon Ross St. didn't do anything. And then the final six, like as a rookie wide receiver, sort of popped. Think about the second half of Jalen Waddle's year last year. So again, do I think Chris Olave or Jahan Dotson are on fire out of the at Sky Moore? Are they on fire out of the gate? You know, no. But um, Or Jalen Tolbert, I like him a lot as well as another rookie wide receiver. George Pickens. You know, but again, as they get more accl- uh, acclimated into their uh, offense and the quarterbacks get more familiar with them, then I think they have a chance to pop over the second half. You know, or talented guys that all they need is a is an injury. Yep. Josh Palmer is a guy like that. Again, with Justin Herbert as quarterback, so you're looking for guys that have good quarterback situations or potentially um, and have the talent that if they get an opportunity they can pop. So yep. I think the other thing there is you want the unknown as well. You want unknown situations because that creates upside. So guys with new quarterbacks, with new schemes, so, or, or even someone like Devontae Smith, who now has A.J. Brown there, and he has a new environment in the passing game, or Christian Kirk, who goes to, to Trevor Lawrence as maybe the number one option. That unknown and that uncertainty creates upside. Isaiah McKenzie yep. has never had an everyday road, but now he's gonna, he is going to be the slot receiver for the Buffalo Bills, right? Alec Pierce. Now going to be, you know, with a good NFL quarterback in Matt Ryan, right? Yep. K.J. Osborne sort of came out last year, and uh, now he's going to be the number three on what we expect to be a really pass-happy offense. So, again, yep. you're just sort of looking forward to your point. Yeah, what's the unknown? Where's the, where's the opportunity and the upside? Definitely. All right, let's get to break. When we come back, we're going to talk quarterbacks and tight end strategy. I don't think we'll probably talk about Matt Ryan, who you just mentioned. He might we not might. Factor in. And so you want your mom to be happy. And your mom is there with, I don't know, making it up here, Zach Wilson. <laughs> What's your reaction? Yeah, What's your well, reaction? I you're a kid. You you're, like, you're like 16 years old. Yeah, you want mom to be happy. I don't think I'm that happy, to be honest. Right. Because there's just a lot swirling around. I think if it was any other quarterback in the NFL, okay with it? I'd be okay. If it was Patrick Mahomes, then you're, you're, you're in. 
That is just a heads up to all NFL quarterbacks. If you want a shot at Mama Croucher and Jay's <laughs> approval, you got to be good. That's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like Sorry, Croucher. Sam Darnold. You're out. You're out, Donald. You're out, yeah, Darnold. Yeah, Kyle Allen. Yeah, no, fourth, no, no dice. Chance. Sorry, Pen- brother. Sorry, man. Justin like Josh. Hobbit. Yeah, Josh Rosen. No, <laughs> hit the road. But, but yeah, Kyler Murray. What's up? What's How you up, doing? Kyle yeah, like exactly. Kyle sure, yeah. Justin Herbert. Mobile, yeah, mobile absolutely. Mahomes, Josh Allen. Yeah. Why not? My friend right. Cooter Doodle calls Josh Allen daddy. So maybe oh, really? you could also, yeah, I can she also does. call Josh Allen daddy. Yeah, exactly. Literally. By the way, okay. the first time the words Cooter Doodle have ever been said on national television. So <laughs> there you go. All right. We probably won't be here tomorrow. Yeah. Um, all all right. right. Smooth transition into yes. quarterbacks. Right. And why is it often smart to wait on quarterbacks in your fantasy drafts? Well, I think it's because the because of the depth of the position. Because most, I'll, you know what the reason is? Is because fantasy football is broken. And this is a different rant. No, oh, I'm dead no. serious. But like this is a completely different rant for a different show. But the default should be in any league is super flex or two quarterback league. Because uh-huh. if you're in a ten team or twelve team league where it's one quarterback, the problem is is that there's just so much depth at the position. Again, so Yahoo, where the default is twelve teams, one quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is going late in the eighth round. Dak Prescott is going late and is going early in the eighth round. Aaron Rodgers, he's good. If, if he is good, he is hashtag analysis. Yeah. Look at us breaking it down. But my point is, is that if you if you if you had an actual NFL draft and you put all these all the players on every team, the first pick is Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, and that second one and Justin Herbert. You know, I mean, like it's like it's all going to be quarterbacks for the first fifteen picks. You know, if if not more and. That's not how it goes in fantasy. So yeah. the reason why it's smart to wait on quarterback is just because there's so much depth of the position, whereas bell cow running backs, there aren't a lot of them. Elite, uh, elite uh, wide receivers, there aren't a ton of them. There are more than running backs, but that's why. Because, right, if you can get Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round or Dak in the, in the eighth, I mean, Kyler Murray's going in the sixth. Jalen Hurts is going in the sixth. Like, yeah. Those are guys that are going to put up big fantasy points. Yeah. Having said that, I do think more than ever – this year, it is more important to get an elite quarterback versus just like, ah, you know what, I'll mix and match with like Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz or whatever. I like Baker Mayfield. Uh, you do? Yeah, I love Baker Mayfield. I'm all in. Just all remember, right, when he beats Cleveland yeah. in week one, mm. and he becomes immediately the favorite for comeback player of the year, and the train has left the station, you're not allowed to get back on. Because I, it's me and Baker, okay, and you're fine. out. No, no, no. I'm in on Baker Mayfield as an upgrade for the Carolina Panthers. I'm I'm I'm, an, I'm in on Baker Mayfield as helpful to DJ Moore and uh, and you know and Christian McCaffrey. I am out on Baker Mayfield sitting in the kitchen with my mom at 8 a.m. in the morning. But that sounds like you are. So Mama Croucher and Baker yeah. Mayfield is above the Croucher line. Is what I'm just like that's kind of like the Mendoza line. It's the Croucher line. Is this quarterback good enough to, to have coffee? To be in the kitchen at 8 a.m. having coffee with the mom? I think it's the Mayfield line because he's the last guy. Is at it, which point I'm comfortable. Or should it be the Zach Wilson line? Because because I mean he's the like it's. It's Mount inspired by him, yeah. but Zach Wilson isn't, ab- isn't above Zach Wilson line. No, he's not. Yeah, he's, he's below the it. He's firmly below it. Oh, yeah. So it's the Baker Mayfield yeah. line. Okay. The last thing I'll say on this is that we have Call 13 guys, 13 guys who are set at over 4,000 passing yards in their season total. So right. we're expecting, like Derek Carr, we're expecting to get 4,500 yards. Now, Derek Carr... I do think if you're in a deeper league, I do think Cousins and Carr are sort of my cutoff in terms of of QB1. Because after that, you start getting into the, uh, you know, into the... 
into the Baker Mayfields, into the Trey Lance, the Justin Fields, the Trevor Lawrences, and they all have upside, but yep. there's definitely risk there. Yep. Cousins and Carr are kind of the last two where I feel comfortable okay, I can live with that guy as my starting yeah. quarterback. You don't feel great coming out of a draft with Kirk Cousins as your no. starting quarterback, but you probably should feel okay because you it means that you've taken it. running backs and wide receivers earlier. Like We have Kirk Cousins, the ninth favorite to lead the league in passing yards at plus 1,600, 10th favorite to lead oh, sorry, in passing touchdowns, 10th favorite to lead in passing yards. And for everyone who's all in on Justin Jefferson... You have to be slightly in on Kirk Cousins as well percent. because they're inextricably linked uh, together. He right, could have 5,000 yards. Thir- uh, over 30 touchdowns each of the last two years, yep. well over 4,000 yards each of the last two years in a conservative offense, and now they're going to go pass happy. I do think it's important, though. I do think it's important in terms of quarterbacks that if you can, you want one of two things with your quarterbacks. You either want rushing upside, yep. the Josh Allens, the Kylers, the Jalen Hurts, the, you know, who's my ride or die, right? I mean, um, those guys, the guys that can, that can run. Lamar Jackson, obviously. Even, you know, Mahomes and Herbert will get you, you know, some points with their legs. Or they have to have massive passing touchdown upside, right? So, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Cousins and Carr on some level have that. But here's, uh, if you can't see it at home, we have a full screen up of our projected quarterbacks in terms of rushing yards. We project, this is Yahoo now. Yahoo projects Lamar Jackson to lead the NFL among quarterbacks in rushing yards. Then there's Trey Lance, Jalen Hurts is third, Josh Allen fourth, Justin Fields at five, and Kyler Murray at six. Again, the rushing is so key that can make somebody that isn't great as a passer, which is what Jalen Hurts was last year. He was not great as a passer, but still was a top eight fantasy quarterback due to the rushing. You cannot underestimate how crucial it is to get a quarterback that gets you points with his legs. Yeah, it's also just, and it biases things a little bit, but it's also just more fun to have a running quarterback. It's the same reason why Michael Vick is the greatest ever Madden quarterback and everyone's mm-hmm. just competing for second. It's just cool to have someone on your fantasy team who can run fast down the right. field. It's like, look, there's my guy. He's accumulating yards by moving his legs quickly. Right. It just makes it more fun. I will say, though, that... Which explains why you're so in on Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I like Baker Mayfield. He because gets down of, the field because, a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. He, but, uh, he, he scoots a little bit. He's yeah. a scooter. He's, a he's scooter. not really a runner. He's more. No. He's kind of scoots. No, it's like the anti-Colin Kaepernick, which was like the long the legs, long the dashing, legs, right, very yeah. short legs for Baker. Yes, but, exactly. Listen, Brady, Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers, they were three of the top six quarterbacks last season. Rodgers can move a little bit, but not he's not adding massive rushing yards. And then Brady and Stafford can't. So I wouldn't be terrified if you don't come it, out with Right, someone. exactly. But again, what those three quarterbacks have in common, Rodgers, Stafford, and Brady, is that they all have massive, massive passing and touchdown upside. Yep. All three of them, obviously, are elite, real NFL quarterbacks, and all of them are in fantasy-friendly offenses, throwing to great wide receivers, yep. well, except for Aaron Rodgers this year. Yep. So we will see. The, but, the last point on that as yep. well is that rushing, it gives you upside that no one else has. So the best uh, fantasy quarterback season in the past three years, Lamar Jackson in 2019. No one else is even close because of that upside. All right, let's go to tight ends. And the first question is, are you comfortable taking Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews in the first two rounds? I am. Okay. I, I'm comfortable with it. I, I haven't, in most of the draft that I've done so far, I haven't gone that way. Um, but I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I want to be either one of the first people in my league to get a tight end or one of the last. And by that, I mean, you know, drafting a quarterback in that 8 to 12, or tight end in that 8 to 12 range among tight ends. Because I just think the middle tier is like, it's fine. And I like Hawkinson, and I think Schultz will have a decent year. But ultimately, yeah, I think you either want to be elite at the position, or I think you can find enough production later on. Here are my top ten tight ends. Andrew's at one. I have Kelsey at two. Kyle Pitts at three. And I think that's a tier. I think those three guys are in a tier. Then you've got Waller and Kittle at four and five. That's a tier. And then you get to 
Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson. I think they're a tier. And now you're into Ertz, uh, Fryermuth, and Goddard at 10. I'm lower than consensus. I love Fryermuth, and I am am significantly lower than consensus on Goddard. Uh, Again, go to my love-hate for all the reasoning. Available on NBCSportsEdge.com for free. I think the question with Kelsey is some people question his upside because he's 33 years old and we've just seen so much. But the upside comes from Tyreek Hill not being there anymore. And that's why we have Travis Kelsey, the fifth favorite to lead the league in touchdowns, the plus 1,200. He's the sixth favorite to lead in receptions, and he's the seventh favorite to lead in receiving yards. So he definitely has upside. Six straight w- years of 80 or more receptions and 1,000 yep. yards, and now Tyreek Hill the is The most gone. consistent player in fantasy, just about. The one thing with Mark Andrews to be a little bit put off by is that five of his seven best, ga- best games last season came with Tyler Huntley as his quarterback. So that's just one thing. Not really worried about Mark Andrews, but it's but, one right. thing the, to think about. The, the, the pro-Andrews argument is over 25% target share led all tight yep. ends. He led all tight ends in end zone no targets. No Marquise Brown. No Marquise Brown. Over 140 targets are still available. We like Isaiah Likely as a late-round tight end flyer, but it's going to be the pecking order there is Andrews, Marquise Brown, and uh, and then Isaiah Likely in terms of target share. Rashad Bateman. For, for, yep. Oh, sorry. Rashad Bateman, right. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, now, Marquise Brown's in Arizona. Late-round tight ends. What I look for in late-round tight ends, right, is athleticism and, you know, ideally, hopefully, a good quarterback. You think about from, you know, think about some of the late-round tight ends that have popped. Mark Andrews in 2019, where he was tight end 16. Bob Tunyon in 2020, where he's going undrafted. Dawson Knox last year, he was tight end 18 on Yahoo. Some of the guys that I like that qualify for that, that, like, potentially either could get massive target share or, and or have good quarterbacks, David Njoku. 80% route participation last uh, in the preseason. That's highest since um, uh, in quite a few years. Jacoby Brissett targeted tight ends 26% of the time when he was a quarterback with the Colts in 2019. Cole Komet, as I talked about, like, you know, guy had over 90 targets last year, didn't score a touchdown. Yep. Just incredibly fluky. Cole Komet is going to get a massive target share. How about Gerald Everett? Yeah, why not? You know, He's no, no, no more Jared Cook. Gerald Everett is there. We think the Chargers offense is going to take a huge step forward. All in Herbert and right? everything associated with him. And, and Albert Okwegbanam. <laughs> you said it. I You're did. You went for it. They wow. gave shot. me a pronunciation guy. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, but I went for it. Um, anyway, obviously massive upgrade with Robert Wilson. It's been a tough preseason for him. but he's basically, so he's There's no one else. He's currently going undrafted in leagues. People are so out on Albert O. What about I do think, Smith? I think Irv Smith? Smith I like, yeah. Cole Komet is my, my absolute favorite, okay. but I also think Njoku and Everett are interesting. And by the way, Logan Thomas, I'm oh, telling wow. you, this is a guy we who's been an elite fantasy tight end in his career, and he's coming back. He's going to start this season slow. He may not even be there first game, but second half of the year, watch my, mark my words, Logan Thomas will get in there. Wow. No All one right. loves Logan Thomas like you do. No. Is he number one? Is he your favorite he is. football player? Like, I'm okay if, if I walk into the kitchen yeah. in the morning and Logan Thomas <laughs> yeah. is there with my mom. We should do the tight end, Carl. The, the tight end, the exactly. Berry, the berry line. We'll there do that he next is. Show. All right. Show. You, can't, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That is the show. We'll be here tomorrow. Peace out.